Welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. This resource exists to keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equip you to apply the gospel to all areas of life that together we might delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. All right, everybody. 2018. We are sitting here in the offices of Restoration Church, uh, and I'm sitting here with Joseph Kraft. Say hello, Joseph. Hello. He's going to go by Joseph in 2018, by the way, everybody. Just kidding. That's not true. And I'm also sitting with a very excited another member of the Restoration Church team, and her name is? Catherine. Catherine. (laughs) What's your last name, Catherine? Feliciana. Okay. All right. Great. So, and my name's Nathan, and so uh, we are doing here in 2018 what we do. We do this every year. It's one of the most highly anticipated podcasts of the year. We've actually had people ask, "When are you going to? When are you going to put out this podcast?" That's how I just said, man. It's the one of the most highly anticipated of the year, and the and the um, the episode is. You saw it on the title of this podcast when you clicked on it. It is our review of favorite reads in 2017. Now, we if we had. Other times, if we weren't recording this, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, um, on a, what is today? Thursday, we could have more people because we have a lot of people in our church that read a lot of good books. So they're not here, unfortunately. So you should ask them and ask others what were their favorite reads. But what we're going to do in this time is we're going to rehearse for you some of our favorite reads, the three of us favorite reads. And what we hope you'll do from this is not just be interested as you're on your way to work or on your way home from work. Uh, although that's fine to be interested in what we read, but we'd love for you to read some of these books so that you would be changed and, or maybe just find something that's interesting to occupy your time. So let's start there, actually. Do, real quick, do audio books count as reading? Hmm, that's a great question. <laughs> Catherine, what do you think? Yes, definitely. She <laughs> says yes. I say it depends on the book, type of book that it is. Yeah, so last year I read or listened to three audio books. So I have them on my list of books read. So I guess I'm going to say yes to that. Yeah, I read or listened to a couple as well. So I'm reading one right now. You um, can't go. That's 2018. You can't, hang talk, on, you hang can't on. talk about that for another year. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, actually one of the audiobooks that I listened to last year that won't be on my list that I would encourage you to listen to. It's a good listen. I wouldn't encourage you to read it because it got really dense. It was a book. It was a New York Times bestseller, not a Christian book, called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains by Nicholas Carr. It was fascinating. All right. Fascinating, you're already, fascinating. You're already jumping in. I'm already jumping in. <laughs> Not a Christian book, but that was an audio book that was really helpful to see how the Internet is affecting us. And basically his point is is it's distracting us and making us more animal-like. But anyway, <laughs> back to back to our books of the year. So, Joey and Catherine, let's start this. We're going we're gonna to do some category stuff here. So we're going to start off with the non-Christian reads. Ooh. We're going to start what you, there. What do you mean by non-Christian well, reads? Non, like it's... It's not explicitly meant for the formation of your soul to glorify Christ. It's, you know, the point of the book is, you know, some other reason. Okay. So, so when you look back into 2017, Joey, Catherine, what were some books that you read that were not explicitly Christian? You know, it could be anything. It could be a novel, could be, you know, some history book, whatever, that were really good. You'd want to pass on to the folks. One of mine would be The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Well, of course, <laughs> Henrietta, she's amazing. I have no idea who that is. So tell us why. Uh, so who, who is it and why should they read 1950s, it? 1950s, Baltimore, Maryland, 
Uh, long story short, if you ever heard of Gila cells that are used in science, H-E-L-A, they come from her name, Henrietta, H-E-L-A. Those were the first cells they were able to get to reproduce outside of the human body in a Petri dish, basically. And so those those human cells have gone on to, uh, from what I understand from the scientists in our church, they are still very prevalent in research and so forth. So it was all fascinating. Happened in the 1950s in Baltimore. A lot of it, or all of it, happened apart from Henrietta's uh, consultation or agreement with the doctors. This is behold before patient privilege and all that. Very fascinating. So there you go. Are you sure that it was fascinating? <laughs> yeah. yeah very How fascinating. many pages was in this book? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I think this is one I read. I mean, I listened to. Oh. So it's probably um, they made an HBO special out of it too. So if oh, you if you don't want to okay. if you don't want to listen to the hey man there you go if you don't want to listen to it or read it you can go watch the watch HBO the movie. Special. I'm sure yeah. it is faithful to the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's all movies. But no, that was it was a it was a Catch fascinating it was a fascinating read both because it was semi local and just the story itself was, uh, yeah. Catherine favorite right. non explicitly Christian reads. I have two. So one was Great Expectations. Have you guys read that by Great. Dickens? Why do I know the name of that book? Who who is it's it? Like by Dickens, yeah. Charles Dickens. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a good, old good. school classic that I Love had that. not <laughs> did that a number of the, my books this past year. So I might have to pick that had one up. Not, Why was that good? I liked it. So I read it with a couple ladies from undergrad, and they all thought it was a total snooze fest and stopped mm-hmm. reading it. So it might just be me, but I was immediately pulled into the story. I thought it was really there was a bit of mystery, some adventure, and some commentary on society at the time. So I liked it, and I thought it was written well. Dickens is known for his writing prowess. Right. Great expectations. What In a sentence or two, what was it about? So it's about this kid who grows up, and he has these great expectations of what life will be like kind of thing. And Uh so he he's very poor, and this person says that they will, like, sponsor him as a gentleman. And so he doesn't know who that sponsor is, and he thinks it's this person and it's not it's the story of how he how he comes into you know growing up with being becoming a gentleman when he was very poor and that kind of thing it's interesting what's the other one the other one is hillbilly elegy joey read this one too i did that was a new york times bestseller yeah too, this wasn't one's it? very popular this year so i liked it as a story about a guy who grew up again with a poor kind of beginnings and then he overcame lots of obstacles and became or and and just now has a uh i guess he's you know living with a wife and dogs and in a nice part of town college so so basically i read this one with my economics hat on and i think in that way i'm not sure i would recommend it fully so he he talks a little bit about uh politics talks a little bit about economics talks a little bit about religion and um i will say if you read this just fair warning there's a lot of cussing that goes on um just from his grandma who the idea is like he grew up as a hillbilly hence Uh the name uh um and so that is part of it but um i i did like the story itself and i liked how it talked about Having someone solid, a solid family member to provide you stability can help you overcome a lot of things. So um, it was interesting in that perspective from, from an economic development. Did you like it, Joey? Yeah, I did. It's <laughs> worth reading or, <laughs> or worth listening to. But it's like Catherine said, a lot of these books that are uh, 
I can't remember with the mortal life of Hernietta Lacks in terms of language, but a lot of them, in, in the context, in the setting, you would expect language like yeah, that well, to these, be prevalent. Right. Yes. These are not, yeah. as we said, these are, these are books that were not explicitly written to yeah. form your soul out of a love in greater love for Christ. Well, for me, number, you know, I also started this year reading some classics. So uh, I read the small little book, The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway, and I think Joey read that too. I passed it off to him. By the way, I'm trying to give it away to somebody else. <laughs> Nobody wants to take it. Uh, and I read The Grapes of Wrath, which was okay. Long. Long, but okay. A little disappointing slightly. But anyway, my favorite <laughs> non-Christian read was Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe. So what a great book. So here's the interesting thing about Robinson Crusoe that I didn't know. So this is one reason why you should read it. Fascinating story, pulls you along, good writing, illustrative, kind of like a movie, kind of pulls you through. And here's the thing. Robinson Crusoe, when he crashes on his boat, he goes back out to the ship and he finds a Bible. And he goes and he dedicates himself to reading it every single day. And he comes to Christ. And this other dude comes up, shows up, like Wednesday or Friday, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he shows up and he shares the gospel with him. That dude comes to faith. Anyway, great story. Robinson Crusoe, great book. Also, I would recommend to you a book I read, super short. This is very good. The Autobiography of Frederick Douglass. Have a copy of it if you'd like to read it. It's hard to read, but boy, oh boy, does it paint a picture of mid-19th century slavery in America. Okay, let's now move categories. All right. Let's go to the Christian reads. Let's go back and read. Let's think about some of the books that we read that really just maybe it was maybe it sparked a greater love for Jesus maybe it was sort of gave you insight into something about you know uh, christian discipleship that maybe you didn't understand before something like that so who wants to go first go for it catherine okay i have two again okay so the first one is instruments in the redeemer's hands by paul david tripp and it's a long book i will throw that out there yep. and it can be a little bit it's not necessarily for you're not reading it for entertainment no yeah no but I thought it was a helpful book, which why? is why I'm suggesting it. And so I'll I'll read to you what the point of the book is from Tripp's words himself. That is what this book is about, how God uses people who are themselves in need of change as instruments of the same kind of change in others. So he's talking about how we walk through life with one another and, one another and help each other grow to look more like Jesus and to, mm -hmm. to love Jesus. So um, I liked it. The first couple chapters are more theoretical. It's all biblical, but the first couple chapters are more the theoretical. You're talking about sin, getting to the heart, that kind of thing. The second half is more practical. So you're talking about how do I love people well? How do I know them? How do I speak truth to their lives? And how do I help them walk out change? And how do people help me do that too? So it's a good book for um, that kind of thing, which good. I found helpful. Yeah, hold I, on to that. Go okay, hold on. I was just saying, I agree. I've we read I've read that book a couple of times and couldn't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, it's one. It's it's sort of the baseline book. You go take a biblical counseling class in seminary. It's the first book they'll have you read. Excellent book. And it I is. think it's good to have trekked through it, so now I can I think I'll reference it yep. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good. wonderful. If you want to help other people work through life and point them to Christ, um, that's the book to read. Excellent. All right, you can't hold on that book, okay, Catherine. Joey, on. go ahead. So I will do one. This will be the second year it makes the list. Nathan, second in the row. Nathan said this one last year, and so I read it this year, but it's it's You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. Such a good book. Such a good so book. So I actually read it again this year. So last year was an audio, going back to audio. 
So it was so good. I read it in print this year. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. And so, so again, it just shows you how uh, the what what we do is actually discipling us. So it's a, it's essentially a book on worldview and working out your worldview and how what you do affects who you are. And as the title says, you are what you love. And so paying attention to everything that you do, uh, both what we would call in spiritual formation, but then just in culture around us, how that is shaping us, shaping our desires, shaping our affections, shaping our wants, and so forth. And he does a good job of connecting that back into the community of the church and how that, how the kind of the culture will be deforming and how the church will be reforming or restoring us to the story of the gospel. So yeah. couldn't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. And I think one word that, that was super helpful to me is the word habit. So that book really helped me understand the need to form habits that train my soul. I love that book. Yeah. It's good. So good. So how about you, Nathan? Uh, one book that you read this past year that was helpful to you. Uh, Same-Sex Attraction and the Church, The Surprising Plausibility of the Celibate Life. Who wrote that? Uh, by Ed Shaw. Same-Sex Attraction and the Church, The pl- Surprising Plausibility of the Celibate Life. Man, what a book. So here's the thing about this book. Should they retitle that book, maybe? Well, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, you, <laughs> this book really, I mean, it, it uses the, the issue of, say, same-sex attraction, but I mean, you could plug almost anything into this. And that was my point, is it's so much bigger than yeah. just that one issue. That It's just wonderful. It's just basic Christian, how to think about life. So listen to these, listen to these, uh, chapter titles. So he talks about, so he's talking about the plausibility problem. So people would say that if you have same-sex attraction that you can't, you know, you're just sort of incomplete your whole life. And he's making the case that it is a plausible life. And he gives all these ways, all these kind of, uh, lies that our culture tells us, and he shows us how Christ and the gospel is better. So misstep number one, your identity is your sexuality, and he shows how that's wrong. Uh, misstep number two, a family is mom, dad, and 2.4 children. He shows how that's wrong. It shows kind of the importance of the life of the church. Misstep number three, if you're born gay, it, it can't be wrong to be gay. Misstep number four, if it makes you happy, it must be right. Uh, misstep number five, sex is where true intimacy is found. Misstep number six, uh, men and women are equal and interchangeable. Then godliness is heterosexuality. Celibacy is, celibacy is bad for you. Suffering is to be avoided. He works through all of those things and shows how a Christian life actually has a better answer. Yeah. Uh, and man, it's so practical. He is a guy, Ed Shaw is, is a man that uh, experienced the same stre- sex attraction himself. He's a pastor who... Yeah, and so he he talks about that struggle. He talks about the difficulty of it. Uh, so it's not just this kind of rosy picture. Um, he talks about, yeah. So, and he shows how the deeper answers of the gospel, uh, and God's people in the church are, uh, not only a plausible life, I think he would even go so far as to say is a good life. Mm-hmm. So, so helpful. But if, uh, you don't have to read this book if you're just want to think about same-sex attraction. Just, you can read this book to think about any kind of struggle to help your, to help, help to better understand your identity in Christ. So. Yeah. Love that book. All right. Um, Catherine Feliciano. Yes. Back up to you. Okay, I'm going to do a non-traditional one. This is a children's book, but I really, really liked it. Okay. So it's God's Very Good Idea. It's by Trillia Newbill. Yes. And it's also one of those ones from this year that people are talking about. Mm -hmm. But so Whitney King sent this one to me, and we loved it so much. So it's about basically it walks a child through the gospel and the story of the Bible but it it does it with by emphasizing the diversity of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's really a fun read, age appropriate. 
got a lot of solid biblical content, but it also has some whimsy. It's it's pictures. fun. Lots of really good pictures. Yes. yes. And um, so we liked it so much, we're going to try to do some sort of lesson for the Restoration Kids, um, each of the different age groups, with this book. And um, I'm also, I sent it over with Jenny and Afoya to Uganda. I mean, really liked it. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, uh, on right in line with that, let me go ahead and jump in here, Joey. Go for it. One of my favorite reads <laughs> uh, from this past year was a book called Divided by Faith. So I read this with a group of other pastors uh, that included African-Americans, included kind of country guys. They included one brother that's uh, whose mom is Japanese and whose dad was an African-American and another African-American. So this book is about how uh, it's called Divided by Faith, Evangelical Religion and the Problem of Race in America. And essentially what he argues in here is that uh, those of us in the evangelical faith, in the Christian faith in America, we actually uh, are in some ways, supporting the prob- supporting racism in ways that we don't realize. What do you mean by that? Because I read this book as well, and it was one of the... Mm-hmm. So most people would say, I right, right. am not yep. racist or prejudiced. That's right. So he has this word he calls racialization, and uh, how our culture is racial. There's this racialization going on in our uh, at the systemic level of our society. So it's not individualized in the sense that we individually are racist, but there are things that operate at a more systemic level that we unknowingly um, support, uh, unintentionally support racism. And so it was it was so helpful, first of all, to be reading that with other African Americans in the room um, and other people from other different backgrounds, other racist backgrounds, as a guy that's from the dominant culture. Uh, so helpful to listen to them interact with some of these things and me to ask them questions to help better understand. But I would really recommend this book if you want to have your heart and your eyes opened to ways that you can more accurately reflect the ideas of Trilla's book, yeah. more accurately reflect God's love for all tribes, all, t- all nations, all peoples, and really as a Christian begin to uh, grapple with the fact that the African-American experience is one that we in the dominant culture, the white culture, don't understand. And there are things in which we can be more sensitive to, to better love our brothers and sisters uh, from the African-American community. So really encourage you to read this. It's a tough read. Um, it's not tough, both kind of academic and some in some ways, and bit. tough in just yeah. personal stories and what you see yeah. revealed. It right? is. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, it says things. I mean, it calls me out on things. And I don't, I don't want, I don't like that, <laughs> but I need to be called out. Uh, and if you choose to read this, I would really encourage you try to find a few people to read. This is true of all these books, but if you, uh, but if you choose to read this book, this would be a good one to read with some other people. Um, because it's gonna, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Like it's emotionally difficult to kind of work through this, but it's important because we want to be a church that cares about, uh, all issues in our society, but in particular, the issue of racism in our country because it's a awful thing. If you read the autobiography of Frederick Douglass, you'll see at the back. Any, I'm not even going to get into that. It's just so <laughs> terrible. Oh, yeah. so anyhow. Yeah. Joey. Uh, there's several more, but I'm going to, uh, I'll go with, a, with an older author, J.C. Ryle, mm-hmm. and Thoughts for Young Men. Though you really could just put Thoughts for Christians. On the front, another <laughs> book that I think was mistitled, uh, but he's writing uh, several hundred years ago, and he just he just writes very 
poetically yet persuasively and forcefully about the dangers of sin and the delights of Christ. Mm. And it's short. I mean, it's a little booklet of uh, 75 pages, and it's just really helpful when you think about those things. Um, and it was just a really helpful read. So I recommend it to you. And I think if you Google uh, Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle, because it's so old, you can get a PDF for free online. Yep. Or they're short. like three bucks on Amazon. Yeah. So very short. Wonderful. And, yeah. Wonderful book. Yeah. Wonderful book. And I'll throw in one more just for kicks and giggles. What do you got? So uh, let's see. I thought you were going to mention gospel fluency. You didn't mention it. No, I said I read it. But okay. I mean, it's... <laughs> All right. Gospel fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. Just to, if you want to learn how to kind of learn a new, uh, learn, like saturate yourself in the gospel in the same way you would saturate yourself in a new language to sort of think, live, and speak gospel. Great book. Also short. And one other one. One last the last one. Last Make one. It good. We belong together by Bruce Milne. Oh, I read man. that for I guess that maybe the third time I've read that book. I read it again this past year. Small, like the cover is straight out of nineteen seventy three. Maybe <laughs> maybe late sixties. Anyway, but man, if you want to understand what the church what it means to have fellowship as a church, I don't know if there's a better book written on the subject. Small, again, helpful. So good. So many good books out there. Talk to the other members and friends in the life of Restoration Church. Ask them what books they've read. And maybe you should not, maybe I would encourage you, read another book with somebody else, someone that will stoke your soul uh, for the glories of Christ and one another. Read it with them. Meet up and talk about it. Before we leave, though, really quick. Go for it. 2018. What's one book you have on your by the way, I read a great biography in 2017 on Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> Here I Stand by Roland Bainton. You're just sliding all these so books. So good. Out. There's uh, so many good books out there. Lifted yeah. by Sam Albury was so yeah. good. Anyway, um, so one book in 2018 that you're really looking forward to reading. One you're mm-hmm. really you're looking forward to reading. Like this is on my shelf. I bought it this past year. Got it, and I'd really, um, I'm looking forward to reading that. What would be? I'm going to give you two because okay. they're of the same theme, but it's one yep. you have sitting right there. Yep. The Whole Christ Man. by Sinclair Ferguson. Yes. And another book on that same theme called Union by a pastor by the name of Rankin Wilborn. I've not heard of him, but it's been recommended by several other pastors. So two books on Union with Christ, Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson and Union by Rankin Wilborn. Yeah, Whole Christ is amazing. It's probably one of my favorite reads, but it's a, li- it's a little technical, slightly. There you go. But man, that's what I'm. That's what I hope to read this year. Good. I actually have We Belong Together on my list. Yes. And isn't that? You're I think it's it. on the intensive for February. There might be parts of it. Parts of it. Yeah. So just a little shout out good, to the intensive. Good. You know. Yeah. Well done. Thank Catherine. you. Yeah. Thank we you. didn't even plan that. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for me in 2018, a book I I got for Christmas is Tim Keller's book on preaching. So. Um, you know, I've preached somewhere around 300 sermons, and I just feel like I have a lot of. I got to get better, honestly. And man, he's he's amazing, Tim yes, Keller, he is. isn't he? So I figure the guy that's just so wonderful to listen to, um, pr- to preach, and really, I love how he cares for the gospel and the Bible. So I'm looking forward to reading that to hope in hopes of growing as a preacher. Yeah. Well, we could do this all day. I love books. Books are so good to, to read. By the way, I'm in the middle of another Wilberforce book. Oh, goodness. Yes. So good. You always got to get Wilberforce. Yes. Got it one a year. Try to get one a year. So, uh, yeah. 
Guys, make good goals, read good books, talk about it with each other, and uh, but don't forget the greatest book of all, right? We can read the Bible. <laughs> yes. Please, read the Bible before you read any of these books. Mm. Please. Yes, my goodness. Read the Bible and meditate on it day and night. Beloved, it is a joy to pastor you. If you have any questions about these books or maybe other book uh, recommendations, talk to me, talk to Joey, talk to Catherine, talk to the others we've mentioned on this podcast, and uh, enjoy your reading as you love God with your heart and mind. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Life Podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.